This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Kappa Pi Lambda Sorority at Bayfield University. Kappa Pi Lambda. Don't mess with a Kappa bitch. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, it's happy birthday to me week. My birthday is this week, actually, and Kelsey's is next week. So we have a two-week birthday extravaganza, is what I'm going to call it. I'll forget that I called it that in our next episode. Don't you worry. (laughs) So we're going to be watching Happy Birthday to Me from 1981 and Happy Death Day from 2017. Two birthday-themed movies. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, Kelsey... How do we start the show? Slash cards. Give me your question. Name five. Oh, Jesus Christ. Horror movie subgenres. Okay. I guess it depends on what they mean by a subgenre. Like you could say it's a horror thriller. Like, is that the kind of thing they're talking about? Or are they talking about like werewolf movies, zombie movies? Like, what are they talking about? I think it's a little mix of both i think you could do either of those okay however the first one you said doesn't really fit into what they wrote but that idea is on here okay if that makes sense so i will say because i mean a horror is a thriller i don't i don't think not necessarily i think there's arguments to be made either way I mean, yeah, Thrillers I guess you have could, to like, do a crime thriller isn't yeah. going to be a horror movie. Not necessarily, but it can be. Right. I guess. Okay. We did Zodiac and Seven and Manhunter and these are yes. all crime thrillers, but I call them horror thrillers. True. Okay, fine. Torture porn. Okay, so one. Or do you want horror thrillers? I'm going to say horror thrillers. And one. the other one that you said was zombies. Zombies, that that counts as and one. And you said werewolves. But does that count as one? Yes. Slasher. So you said thriller. Uh-huh. Zombies. Uh-huh. Werewolves. Uh-huh. Slasher. Slasher. And torture porn. Torture porn. Yeah, okay. Do you want to know what yeah, they Yeah, I want to know the what they I'm really curious to know what they had there. Slasher. Uh-huh. Zombies. Uh-huh. But then they also wrote body horror. Yes. Sci-fi horror. Uh-huh. And horror comedy. Yeah, see, okay, I get that. I just don't think that zombie, like, I know we used them for the purposes of my response, but I don't think that that's a, that's a genre. It's not a subgenre. It's content. And there's a difference between content and, like, subject I mean, and genre. my five, probably the first five that came into mind were slasher- Torture porn, uh, body horror, uh-huh. and then of course I, the the next two come from the card because I just read it. Yeah. So, but I mean that's what I would have. That's the path I okay. would have gone down on. Kelsey. Yes. Horror can show up in unexpected places. Okay. 
Like the Skeksis in this 1982 Jim Henson film. The Dark Crystal. Yeah. And why did I ask you that question, Kels? Because last weekend we went to a Jim Henson exhibit and it was very cool. At the Skirball. We yes. got to see, it's a, the Skirball Cultural Center in LA. We got to see a lot of uh, Jim Henson artifacts and get a lot of the history. Original of, Muppets. Yeah. Um, they had skexies there yep uh they had the gelflings there uh yeah so there's a lot of stuff that was there and it was really really cool and if you're listening to this right now it's too late it's gone it's not there anymore but yeah, it sorry. is <laughs> it is touring so if you live elsewhere in the united states i don't know if it's going anywhere else there was a big kickstarter for this to get it going in the first place so you may have heard about it before but it was really really cool and i'm glad we got to go so thank you for thinking of that Kels. yeah well I, two of my friends went to the one in L.A., and as you said, it's touring. My friend actually went to it when it was in Seattle. Uh-huh. She just happened to be traveling in Seattle, and it happened to be there. So Yeah, so maybe it's coming to your town soon. I have no idea. <laughs> but it was really, really cool, and if you like Jim Henson or any of the stuff he's done, you should definitely go. Kelsey, what was your favorite part? I think I know, but... One of my favorite movies ever is Labyrinth, and... The two coolest things they had, um, they had the dress that she wears in Labyrinth. Which, in the ballroom scene. Yes, yeah. which I've always, it sounds silly now at my age, but when I was a kid that I wanted to have a Labyrinth themed wedding, so uh-huh. that was the dress I wanted to wear. Um, and then they also had, so if you've ever seen Labyrinth, it starts by showing like her room. And all the things that are in her room that create these things within this other world for her. Right. Like a ragdoll version of the fire gang. And And that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, okay. Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted the doll she has in her room, which is a representation of one of the characters from the fire gang. And they had it. As really, so really it was cool. very, very cool. Kind of wanted see to it. break the glass and steal it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think my favorite was. There are a lot of original Muppets there. That was really cool. Like, you know, being up close and personal with Grover was pretty awesome. Honeydew and Beaker. That was pretty cool. Well, so I, Kermit. Yeah, Kermit, yes, absolutely. And Bert and Ernie, like they were all there, which was really, really cool being able to be up close and personal. But I, I, I think maybe cooler than that for historical purposes was you got to see the first Muppets that he ever created for the ad campaigns. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. Yes. All right. So that was a little off topic conversation about uh, the Jim Henson exhibit at the Skirball Cultural Center. Kelsey. Yes. The first movie we're talking about is Happy Birthday to Me from 1981, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Story by John C.W. Saxon and written by John C.W. Saxon, Peter Jobin, and Timothy Bond, with some uncredited work from John Beard, starring Melissa Sue Anderson, Glenn Ford, and Lawrence Dane. What is Happy Birthday to Me about? A group of seniors at an elite private school. Yeah. They're the most popular kids. They're, they're called the top ten. Yeah. They are picked off one by one by a masked killer. Yeah. All right. Actually, I don't know that the killer is masked. Actually, no. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Now that you think about it, an unknown killer, yes. I guess, is the important part. Unknown to the audience. Uh-huh. Okay, so should people watch it? 
Yes, I love this movie, and it is criminally underrated. I was surprised, I will say. I'm very excited to hear what you thought about it, because okay. you wouldn't tell me. No, well, And I love do. this movie. I saw this for the first time, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or 11 years ago now, and it creeped me out. It was hard to sleep after I watched it the first time. <laughs> and... I think it's an awesome 80s slasher that no one talks about. Yeah, no one talks about, which is a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and uh, see it if you can. I honestly, I, I think I bought it, Yes. right? Yeah, I bought it on iTunes because it wasn't available for free anywhere, which is very unfortunate. But you can rent it too. You don't yeah. have to buy it. Mm -hmm. All right, that said, you can decide for yourself. And when we come back, we will talk about happy birthday to me. Virginia. Poor Virginia. Just when the rich young snobs at Crawford High condescended to come to her birthday party, they're all being murdered. In the most bizarre ways imaginable. At the rate they're going, there'll be nobody left to go to her birthday party alive. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, no one will be seated during the last 10 minutes of happy birthday to me. Pray you are not invited. Rated R, coming soon to a theater near you. All right, Kels, walk us through the movie. What happens? We open on a girl walking out to her car. She's going to go and meet up with, like I said, the top 10. Bernadette. Yes. They make it pretty clear with just this one character within like five minutes that these people are just jerks, just yeah, privileged little punks. She runs into their headmistress or the dean or whoever, and then as she's walking away, mocks her and laughs, and it's her laugh is so ridiculous. <laughs> like if if you've seen Carrie when the kid like is making fun of her on his bike. And it's actually another woman. Yeah, it's dubbed over. Yeah. It's the same kind of laugh. <laughs> really obnoxious. Come along, Winston. Give mommy head. <laughs> creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. <laughs> she gets killed in her car. Well, or in the parking lot. Right, so the car. killer is waiting for her in the backseat of the car. Yeah. A la Halloween. And tries to strangle her. But she gets away. But for some reason, when she gets away, she doesn't, like, keep running. She yeah. just keeps stopping She's stopping and taking her breath and being scared. It's like, just run. You're yeah. in an open parking lot. Yeah. Get away from there. Yeah, just go to where public people are. Like, I don't understand. But she does run into somebody that she knows. Oh, yes. And says the classic, oh, it's you. Help me, help me. <laughs> but, oh, it's you. That happens twice in this movie. I'll let you know when we get to the next one. Oh, oh it's you. Yes. We don't see who it is because it's the killer and they slice open her throat with a straight razor. And that was really good. I thought they did a really good job of making that look um, shocking. Yes. Um, <laughs> so then we meet the rest of the top ten at this bar that they go to called the... Silent woman. The logo for this bar is a, a woman from like the 1800s who doesn't have, or the 1700s who doesn't have a head. And I found it really interesting because there's a bar in Corona del Mar called the Quiet Woman. Yeah. Uh, and its logo is a woman from the 15 or 1700s or whatever without a head. Yeah. 
I've never been. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a Shakespeare reference to something from Taming of the Shrew, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's also a 1951 British crime film, among other things. <laughs> but anyway, immediately, as soon as we meet the top ten, we find out that they're all dating and they're all cheating on each other with each other. It's just a... It's gross. These these people are gross. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they, they're in a group and they call themselves the top ten. Yeah. What does that tell you about them? Yeah. And they're already at an elite school. So the way that we find out that, like, they're cheating on each other, like, one girl is making out with this guy and she just like, Bernadette's gonna be here any second stop. Yeah. So it's like the whole group knows and they don't care. Yep. All right. Then we meet this guy, Alfred. He's one of the top ten as well, and he has, like, a pet mouse. He seems like the odd man out. I don't understand why he's a part of the top ten. Right. He's the nerd character. But, I mean... He's weird. He's a weird guy. He is. He works at, like, a taxidermist. Yes, he does taxidermy. And, which is dope. (laughs) But... And he has a pet mouse that he takes with him everywhere. he's definitely weird, and they definitely pick on him. They don't care about him. None of them care about anybody, we do find out later that he is on the soccer team, which is like their school's big yes thing, which is weird for the eighties. I I grew up in the eighties and I played a lot of soccer. That was the thing. Everyone played AYSO. I know I did too, but I was a little kid. These guys are in high school in nineteen eighty one seniors. You yeah, would think uh-huh. that their big thing would be football. Yeah, but whatever. It's soccer, and he is on the soccer team. So the and he does this amazing catch of a goal. So. Maybe he's really good at being a goalie, so that's probably why he's part of the top ten. Yeah, and he's a star He's also player, probably super rich. Yeah, that, that was my guess, too. Anyway. They he, harass these people. <laughs> yeah, they, they harass a group of people. They get in this all-out brawl just to show us again that these people are jerks. They're rich. They think they can do anything because they have all this money. But we also find out that... Alfred, the weirdo, has a big crush on the new girl of the group. Virginia. Virginia. She's the new one, and he offers to, like, buy her a beer, and she was just like, but everybody buys their own. Yeah. Um, uh So that's made clear very quickly. And before you ask, this is 1981, which is just before there was a national minimum age for drinking. Yeah, so they're all drinking, but, like, they're seniors. I know that into the 90s, we still had states that allowed you to drink at 18. Fairly certain. I looked it up. Wasn't it, like, 84 or something like that? There was a national drinking age imposed. You didn't have to follow it because it's up to the states, but you would lose, like, transportation funding or whatever if you did. Yeah. So as they're leaving, they're like, let's play the game. And the game is... Trying to get over a bridge before it raises. Yeah, a bunch of them go over it before it's too scary, and then one guy full-on chickens out and stops. But the guy behind him... So now, that guy was already afraid enough. Now this guy, as it keeps going up higher, he decides to go over it. And he has two girls in his car. And Virginia is one of them. She's the new one. And she's freaking out over it. Yeah. And he lands, and it's a horrible situation. They survive. Yeah, but they survive. But but the car gets all beat up. She runs away. 
She runs out of the car and runs away. She runs off into the night. And I'm like, there are other cars. And suddenly she's in a cemetery. And we learn throughout the course of the movie why it's a little bit more traumatic than just this idiot risked my life and I was frightened. Mm -hmm. So as as she's running away, she stops at her mom's grave. Yes. (laughs) Which is directly related, we will find out. (laughs) Yes. And... She trims the grass with some shears. She keeps some shears there to keep the grass neat around her mother's gravesite, mm-hmm. around the gravestone. Uh, and apparently it's like right outside their property because she's like right there at home. And she is being stalked. She's being watched. We're supposed to be thinking it's the killer, but then we get to see the face and it's one of the guys at the top ten. Before she goes up into her room and is watched from the closet by ATN. Or wherever he is, we don't really get to find out where he was. Yeah, he's he's like off to the side because she goes into the closet and searches into both doors, and then he's still looking at her during this process. So they don't they never tell you where he is. But before she goes into her room, she runs into her dad and he's mad that she went to go visit her mom's grave. Which doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It it it's a red herring. And this movie is filled with red herrings. But I kind of appreciate that because I think they actually do a really good job of making it nearly impossible to guess who it is. Uh, yeah. But they cheat. They do cheat, that is true. But I think they do a really good job of making you be like, it could be any of them. There's never a point where it's obvious who it is. It's, there's never a point where it's just like, well, it has to be this person. Because every time you start to think it's somebody, they give you another reason to think it's somebody else. Right. But they lean hard into that person being it. Yes. Like, w- when we get to Alfred, we'll talk about that. But so, yeah, it makes no sense. But the dad is like, you know, you can't. I don't want you visiting your mother's grave for some reason. And we find out that... The whatever the accident was that killed the mom left her, the daughter, with some sort of major injury. And she and can't trauma, yeah. she can't remember anything that happened. And they experimented on her in weird ways and that sort of thing. Um and the doctor has a really weird he's not a good doctor. <laughs> what what's the doctor's name? I don't know. David. Dr. David Faraday. He says you will remember. Like, he promises to her that her memory is going to come back. And, like, nobody can do that. Nobody can promise you that. And then he says, and you will be complete. You will remember, Virginia. And you will be complete. Jesus Christ, Doc. Like, what the fuck? Number one, you're making promises that you can't keep and you have no way of possibly knowing. And then you say, once you get that thing that I promise you, you will be complete. You are not complete because you have this physical and emotional trauma, but you will be complete once you get this thing that I'm promising you and have no way of guaranteeing. Like that, what kind of fucking doctor are you? But anyway, so she knows that someone was in her room because when she walks into her room, she sees that the window's open. She closes it. She locks it. And then while she's in the bath or something, 
Uh, she hears a noise, goes into her bedroom, and sees that the window is open yeah. again. So somebody was clearly in her room and left through the window. Yeah. On to the next day. They go to school. There's this weird moment, and it never happens again throughout the rest of the movie. Where they animate the static shock? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. It seemed really out of place. They're playing a prank with this static electricity generator thing. So the teacher's hair is all on uh-huh. end, and he doesn't realize it. And when he figures out what's happening, he goes, oh, quite the comedian. Um, but just so you know, electricity can also be discharged, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So he goes to touch the student, and we see... This like drawing of yeah. of of like a lightning bolt uh-huh. between the two of them, and there's this silly sound, and so that kind of makes you think, oh no, it's gonna be one of those types of movies. But that never happens yeah, again. Never again. Yeah. Uh-huh. So why include it at all? I don't know. <laughs> it was really dumb. It was weird. But so he's using the static electricity to make frog legs move. Which brings Virginia into a memory of her being tested on. It's just a bunch of bullshit that the movie came up with. But I'm kind of okay with it because I think it gives a lot of mystery to the character of Virginia. And I love that they give her an actual emotional story to kind of be the reason why... Every little thing that happens sets her off. Because in most horror movies, kids just ignore shit. They're just like, ah, it can't Uh be anything. Ah, must be my imagination. Whereas she is super sensitive to every little thing that happens. And it's because of that that she um, keeps surviving. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it explains away her, her moments where she doesn't know what's happening and she gets she loses time and stuff like that so it explains that away a little bit i guess so then atn um tells her i was in your room and the way that he does it is by having the underwear she was wearing uh-huh in his pocket yep as a good luck charm or something during the race no that it is, is so gross it is gross it is gross so then Anne, who's another one of the top ten, is talking to her, and she's just like, oh, my God, you know, ATN did this. Like, how can he? And ATN is dating another one of the girls in it's, the top Okay, 10. we're not going to try to keep track of no. who's dating who. But it is so convoluted. Is, yeah, is that she says to Anne, like, this is so scary. And she goes, are you kidding? The other girl loves it. Yeah. Um. And I think, again, whenever we watch these 80s slashers, really hits home with just how different society was yeah how if a guy broke into your room and stole your underwear you were expected to consider that as flattery right you were not expected and in fact looked down violated upon and to feel yeah. violated yeah and so fucked up but alfred sees this and we cut to him and he's like, mm, and he's really not happy about this because he really likes Virginia. Yes. And he thinks Etienne is being a jerk, so. But so Etienne is a dirt biker and they're there to watch the race. And then after the race, he goes back to his uh, garage. To tool around with the bike a little bit before they all go out to the, the bar again. Yes. And, and while he's doing yeah. so, we get a creepy ass kill. You yeah. want to talk about it? So the killer grabs the scarf that he's wearing without him knowing it, 
and he's he's running the uh, the motorcycle. It's up on a block, so it's actually running, and tosses it into the axle of the of the motorcycle, and it just wraps it up and it pulls his face in, and his face just gets shredded by the tire. Oh, <sighs> so. If you watch the trailer for this movie, or if you look at the poster for this movie, it boasts the six scariest or craziest kills you've ever seen. And there's one in particular that's on the poster. Yes. I would say that only of those six, that only two really count, and this is one of them. Yeah. uh This is just grotesque, and just immediately my hands go up to my face when I think about it, because I'm just like, oh, God, what a way to die. So talking about how they lean really hard into these red herring suspects, Alfred, we know, likes Virginia. Etienne violated Virginia's privacy and stole her underwear and then taunted her about it, and Alfred saw this. We cut to the inn... And everyone is there except for Etienne, Bernadette, who are both already dead at this point, and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Anne and Virginia afterwards go to visit Alfred at his work, which is where he was going to be. And they see Bernadette's severed head sitting there. And he's like... He shows up and he scares them and he's acting all fucking creepy. Yes. And like almost intentionally so. And then like he if reveals, you were a real human being, I would I don't care if you've killed someone or not. I would be like, this is weird. Right. I don't want to associate with you. <laughs> so what it actually is, it's not Bernadette's severed head. It's a dummy head that he had molded from her. So he was try he was actively trying to creep them out because he knew that it was creepy. You know, but it wasn't like this weird red herring thing where he's acting creepy for no reason. He was doing it on purpose because he wanted to scare them and then reveal the fact that it's just a fake. And that is where the Alfred plot line ends. (laughs) (laughs) After this, uh, they don't try to tell you it's Alfred anymore. But you see how they lean really heavily into a red herring suspect. I think actually there are a couple of times... And that's the thing. Every single one of these characters at some point, except for Bernadette, because she's only in the movie for like two minutes. Every single other character is shown at some point staring at someone in a menacing way. Yes. And that happens multiple times. So that's why I'm saying I really like that this movie gives every single one of them motive. Mm -hmm. And throughout the film, after you've forgotten about considering... Alfred as the killer at some point he's shown a close-up and he looks like he's gonna kill somebody and they do that with all of them and I I like that I like that they take this group of friends who really I mean today we would call them frenemies yeah how they all have motive and reason to want to kill each other yeah well not good ones but they exist yeah (laughs) you know but they exist all right so then we get another flashback yeah about her mother because I think at this point the father is going to go away on a trip and she's really upset because, like, he won't be there for her birthday again because he's never there for her birthday. And he promises that he'll be there. And I think that's what brings on this memory. So we have we get to go back and we get to see Virginia with her mother. This is four years prior, I think. Something like that. And I guess it was their, their freshman year. Yeah. yeah so, uh-huh. yeah. So the mother 
is a total alcoholic. She has a husband who makes a ton of money, but he's never around because he's always at work. It's her daughter's birthday, and the top ten were all invited to her party, right? Because, again, one of the main factors for why these kids are friends is because they're the richest kids at the school. Yeah. And so the whole reason that the mother wants these kids at her daughter's birthday is because they're the richest kids in the school. And now this woman, who we find out came from being poor and is now married to a rich man. New money. She, when she realizes that none of these kids are coming and her daughter is crying on the phone because her father can't be bothered to make it for her birthday. And, and tr- what she's trying to put on a brave face about it. Yeah, she Virginia. lies. She says, oh, we're all having a great time. Uh-huh. All my friends are here. Yeah. And that's what sets the mother off. Yeah. She's like, why did you lie to him? These people are assholes. And she finds out through her daughter, because her daughter didn't want to tell her, uh-huh. Anne is having a party tonight as well. And everyone is at Anne's party. Well, where are they, your little friends from the Crawford Academy? They're not coming. What? There's a party at Ann Thomerson's house. I, I heard them talking. Why didn't they invite you? Mom, they don't even know me. God damn it, you snots. We'll show them. If they won't come to our party, we'll go to theirs. The mother, drunk and in the rain, drives over with her daughter to this house. She's banging on the gates, and, like, the gamekeeper comes up, and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's just like, my daughter needs to go to this party. And he's like, was she invited? And she goes, she doesn't need to be invited. You know, you rich people think you can sneer at people who have had to work hard. Well, guess what? I'm rich now, too, and I won't be bought off again. Yeah. And that's... That one little line is kind of buried in her monologue, and she's screaming and crying and in the rain. So if you were first seeing this for the first time in a movie theater, you might not catch that. (laughs) You hear me, Will Thomason? I can't be bought off ever again. (laughs) But that tells us something happened where she was bought off, and that will come up later. But we then find out Drunk, driving in the rain, going to that bridge uh-huh. where earlier the girl had flipped out after going over it. They get caught on the bridge, car goes down, mother dies to save her daughter. Yeah. So that's the trauma that happened, and that's why she freaks out so hard. I mean, granted, it was a life-threatening situation that she found herself in in the present day, but she flips out, and that's why, is because that's exactly how her mother died. Mm-hmm. So the next kill we get is Greg. Greg is lifting weights and, oh, it's you, shows up. Oh, it's you. And Greg has stolen a girl from one of the other characters. Yeah, it happens a lot. There's another one coming up right after this, too. Yes. So, So yeah. But this kill is the second kill. I couldn't even watch it this time. So he asks this mysterious person to put on the weights on the bar. <gasps> and 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 this person does and then puts a little bit more on when Greg nope, asks. Nope, nope, And nope. He's, bench, he's bench pressing. I don't think we said. Nope. Specifically. And uh, so he grabs the bar and, he, and, he's, and he's bench pressing and it's really, really heavy. And then this person pulls the stand out of his reach. Now, Greg like a fucking idiot, 
doesn't just like I know it's not easy. You couldn't do it slowly, but like, you know, put it over your head. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the only problem with this death is that he could easily get out of it. So instead, he has it up above himself in a bench press position, and he's really, really struggling while this person grabs one of the weights from the barbells and drops it on his nuts. And which which causes him to let go of the barbell with all the weight on it, and it crushes his throat, and blood uh, goes everywhere. Uh, <laughs> God, I I don't think I could ever bench press with a spotter because of this movie. Like it would because freak he, because he won't trust out. the spotter. That's the whole point of the spotter. Nope, don't trust anybody. Nope. <laughs> Jesus. Ah. Uh. So Greg's dead now, and we cut to the soccer game. Yes. Alfred, as the goalie, gets a game-saving goal, and Virginia kisses him for it at the end. Uh, Rudy, who just lost his girl to Steve, I think, yeah. makes a whistle-beating goal himself, which allows them to actually win the game, and then asks Virginia out, and she says yes. Which, again, upsets Alfred. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I guess there is another reference to Alfred being there upset. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they go to the chapel. Because it's fun to explore around this old-timey chapel. I don't know where this movie takes place, but it's on the East Coast in New England somewhere, I think. Yeah, and they're at a private school. Yeah. uh So I would totally believe they would have a chapel on campus. And so they go all the way up to the bell tower, and then Rudy just starts acting super fucking creepy. I think they chose this actor because he can do funny uh, impressions. Yeah. That's what this whole scene told me. If I cut this bell rope almost all the way through, Rudy, no, Virginia, come here, Virginia, or whatever it is that he says. I have a knife. Yes, but before (laughs) that, he does two really funny impressions. He does one of Peter Lorre. I will never forget you, my darling. (laughs) <laughs> and he does one of the hunchback from the hunchback of notre dame give me a kiss Esmeralda. a little peck on the cheek so uh and that's peter, what i think this actor was picked because he could yeah. do impressions and if you don't know peter laurie is uh famous for being in casablanca and he's the bad guy in m which if you haven't seen m cm it's very very good uh, anyway, and he traps her up there. She tries to run away, and he slams the trap door shut on her, and then nothing. Yeah, we, we just cuts get away. a cut to her running and screaming away. And she goes to her doctor. Yes, and he's she's freaking out about it, and he, she tells him about the, the bell tower and all of that, and, oh, can you find out what's going on? Then we see a a priest at the chapel goes to pull the rope and it just falls down. And there's blood on it. And there's blood on it. And so we're like, oh, God, what happened? So now they're leaning heavily into the idea that because maybe maybe because she was experimented on, part of her brain is leading her to kill all these kids who didn't show up to her party because her mother swore vengeance. And that's immediately after they're they're pushing Rudy as a potential killer. Yes. And so like they go all over the place as, as to who it could be. That's yeah, why this is so good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rudy's gone and nobody knows where he is and everyone gets freaked out. Uh they they're questioning the kids at the school. They find a skull on the premises buried somewhere where we saw Rudy check before 
and it's fake. It belongs to the biology department or whatever. And then we find Rudy and he's actually okay. And he, he was in the hand. hospital. He cut his hand cutting the rope and that's where the blood came from. Yeah. Yes. And so he was in the hospital getting stitches. That's why nobody knew where he was. And he goes to Virginia and he's like, why did you run away screaming? <laughs> But that's well, you were being creepy, Rudy. Exactly. Like, okay, first of all, Rudy, you were being really fucking creepy, yeah. and then also she's got all this trauma. So, but then the question is, what she's having like blackouts? Like, what's happening? And this is supported by the next kill, which is the only <laughs> one that we actually see who killed somebody and how at the same time, right? So Virginia is back at her mother's grave, and Alfred is creeping up on her. And he's getting closer and closer and he reaches out for her and she spins around and stabs him in the gut with the shears. Mm -hmm. And he falls to the ground and his hand falls open and he's holding a flower. Right. That he wanted to give to her. So like the question now is, did she kill him because she thought he was going to kill her? Like, did she do it out of fear? Right. And we don't know because she acts like it didn't fucking happen. Right. Then there's a dance that everyone goes to. Which is so funny because 1981, when you're in those early years of a decade, you're still mixing stuff from the last decade with the new stuff. There's disco, yeah. There's disco playing, but they're wearing, a lot of them are wearing like 80s beginning 80s clothes uh -huh. but then there's also still some girls that are dressed kind of disco it's so very it's a little strange. anachronistic and yeah yes uh and apparently there were complaints when the when the movie was released on home video that they replaced some of the score with a disco soundtrack instead yes. and because so then they changed there's it both back. there's piano music it's really good i think yeah that creates the atmosphere uh -huh. but then whenever she's listening to actual diegetic music in the in the movie it's yeah. disco music yeah and just like at this at this party and so steve oh god it's hard to keep track of all these people steve is hitting on virginia at the dance and she's into it and she invites him over to her house. Which upsets the other girl that he was dating. Yeah, his new girl. But then she seems to be back with Rudy, who Steve Maggie. stole her from. Maggie, yeah. It's and, very confusing. And she was worried, because she was worried about Rudy when he was missing. And then when he comes back safe, she's relieved. And then they get back together. It's fucking all over the place. <laughs> but so he goes over to Virginia's house. She's like, "Oh, I'll make, um, I'll make us some snacks." Yeah, I'm the best at making snacks. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is that she actually says. I make real good midnight snacks. You hungry? Uh, she ends up making skewers of kebabs. Meat. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? And uh, so they they get high. They make out. And then she goes to feed him a kebab and instead rams it right through the back of his throat. Yes. And that is what is on the. That's what's on the cover. Yeah. yeah. And the poster. Mm -hmm. And this is now we get another kill that Virginia did. And, and this time there's no there's excuse. No. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he was creeping up on me. No, no. It's I'm trying to murder you. Yeah. But she does it in a way that doesn't jive with the character of Virginia that we've been presented to so again at this point you're starting to think she's got a split personality because of her trauma and then she's with i is, is it maggie she's with one of the other girls and the girl winds up she just wakes up and the girl's dead in her bathtub 
And she's like, oh, shit. And so she goes to the doctor and she's freaking out. And we're like, okay, yeah, this is obviously when she loses time, this is when she becomes an evil killer, right? Yeah. And and she goes to the doctor and the doctor, somehow knowing, follows her up and opens like, the shower. drags her up screaming. Yeah. Here, I'm going to show you that it's not really there. Fucking how do you know, doctor? Right, Ex- exactly. <laughs> There's no reason for him to not know. I mean, at this point, she did think she had killed the guy in the bell tower and it ended up not being true. Yeah, uh-huh. So- that, is, that is a good point. She confessed it. To, or she she confessed she was worried about it to the doctor, and then it wound up that everything was just fine. So I guess he might feel like, oh, it's another episode like that. But he opens it up, and there is nothing there. It's completely empty. Mm-hmm. And somewhere during this process, Virginia decides she's going to kill the doctor, and she kills him with a poker, for mm-hmm. fireplace poker. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole lot of blood fucking everywhere. As a result of this kill. Yes, there is a lot of blood. Like, too much blood. (laughs) So the dad promised he would be there for her birthday, even though he was going on a business trip. And he does, in fact, make it home to find all of this blood. And he's freaking out and he's worried that something's happened to Virginia because there's no body, there's no nothing. He runs out into the rain and he runs into one of the girls. Is it Greg's girlfriend or somebody I don't know. And we never find out what happened to her. She's just standing there in the rain with a present frozen. And he kind of like stops at her and then just ignores her and runs away. And And then then, she winds up dead somehow. And then he finds an open grave, which I guess is the mother's grave. It's the mother's grave. The mother's been dug up. And the doctor is inside. Yes. The dead doctor is inside the grave. And then we also get another flashback here. This is the flashback where we get the whole thing where the mom sacrificed herself and and she, yeah. we, we know that she's just fucking nuts. She The mom is fucking nuts. Although we do later find out why she would have reason to be upset in the first place. So he ends up going into what, like... It was my birthday. Mother decided to have my party in the cottage. Which is why there's so many cobwebs. When I first saw it, I was like, why does this place look all disgusting? And he goes in there, and there's just dead bodies. Dead bodies all around a dinner table. And Virginia comes walking in, and it's completely dark, and it's lit by the candles. She's singing and she's singing happy, happy birthday. birthday to me. And it's creepy as fuck. Happy birthday. And she sets it down and the dad is freaking out. She's like, he's like, oh my God, what has my daughter done? Oh my God. Well, actually he blames himself. What have I done to you? Right. And, and he has like his head in his hands at the table because she tells him to sit down and she plops like a birthday hat, one of those pointed birthday hats on top of his head and he's crying into his hands and then she slices his throat. Yes. After she kills the father, she stands up and she looks at one of the people and all the other people are sitting up. You can see their faces. They're obviously dead. There's one character and we assume it's Anne because she's the last one. We assume it's her. Her head is down. Virginia goes over and says, and now for you, and pulls her up. And it's Virginia. And it's Virginia. What you're saying to yourself? Because I was. I wrote down, what? 
W, a bunch of U's, a T, and a question mark. And then I followed that up with twice as many U's and a what? When it's revealed, the, the murderer of Virginia rips off her face and it's revealed to be Anne underneath. Uh-huh. She got a mask from Alfred. Yes. Because Alfred's been making masks of them. Yes. Oh my God! That's how she's been going around. So yes, killing she people. cheated, but they made it make sense because Alfred was making yes. creepy masks of and people, and she explains the only one who's like making out with her and up close and personal with her is Steve, and he was high as fuck. And she explains that he was so high he wouldn't have even recognized me, like even if I didn't have the mask on, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have known I wasn't Virginia. Yeah, and I wrote down which one even are you. <laughs> I clarified later because it's not clear. They do not lean into Anne. There's two things that happen in the very beginning. Yeah. First of all, she gets really pissed off at Greg for doing the stunt in the beginning. And she says, I'd really like to break your neck. You dumb shit. You could have killed her. You were the one that shoved her in my car. I'd like to break your neck. And just ease up a little, okay? She's new. She never played the game before. And then... When she sees Virginia running off, uh-huh. we get a close-up on her face, and, and she's, she's got a like crazy super look intense. on her face. Yes. Uh-huh. And we don't know what that's about. But we don't know anything at this point in the beginning, so we just write it off as yeah. a we'll find out sort of thing, and we forget about it. Yes. And it comes back at this point right here that she's actually the killer. So, And this is where it's revealed they are half-sisters. Yes. So Virginia's mom... Earlier in the film, when she said, I won't be bought off again, it's because she was having an affair with Anne's father, gave birth to a child, and that child now belongs to uh, the father and his wife. And so if that sounds confusing to you, it's because it is. I don't even know if that's 100% accurate. I'll, I'll play I'll play her line here for, for accuracy because I... All I know is there's some shit going down and they're half sisters and or and maybe or maybe it's the opposite. She was having an affair with the father had Virginia. Virginia's actually Anne's father's child. Yeah. It might be one it's, it, it's either one. One of the yeah. two. She's either Virginia and Anne have the same mom or they have the same dad. Either way, it ends up being it was an affair. And that's why Virginia's mom was bought off. Yeah. All right, I'm going to jump in right here as a little editor's note. It is, in fact, that second explanation. And like I said before, for clarity's sake, I'm just going to let Anne explain it here. You deserve to die. You're just like her. A fucking whore. Your father's mistress. And you're his daughter. My sister. Something she never let my father forget. That's why my mother left us. She could never forgive him for having you. It's all your fault. You've ruined our lives. You should have died that night at the canal. You never should have been born! So basically, it's exactly like Scream. So they get into a fight over the knife, which Anne is trying to use to kill Virginia. And in the process, it swings down and Anne ends up stabbing herself on accident. And Virginia is left there holding the bloody knife as Anne falls to the floor dying. 
as the sheriff or whoever it is, the cop that's been around this whole movie, who's totally ineffectual and does nothing, but <laughs> we, know, we know he exists, kind of wanders onto the property for no reason, looks in through the open doorway and sees her standing there with all these dead bodies holding a bloody knife and says, my God, what have you done? And she starts singing happy birthday to me because at this point- She snapped. No one's, no one's gonna believe her. Yes. Why would anyone believe She's, what happened? She is totally fucked. This is an ultimate what now. It's built into the tragedy of the ending of the film. It's tragic. Because you ask what now and the answer is Virginia is fucked. Yes. That's the That's what now. And there's no getting around it. She is going to prison. She'll probably get the death penalty. Like, she is fucked. And that's that's the tragedy of the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. So, lightning round, Kelsey. I actually think I got most of my stuff. Yeah, we ended up talking a lot about that one. Uh, let me see if there's if there's anything else that I have here. God, the mom's fucking nuts. I I started to write down all the different alternate motives that could be the real cause of what's going on, and Anne getting revenge, the half-sisters thing, was not one of them. One of them had to do with all their parents being well-to-do, and maybe they were being killed off for that reason. One of them was that Virginia was doing it, and she just doesn't know it because she has memory issues, and there were all those experiments. One was something to do with the mom and the accident, like maybe was somebody was to blame for it, and... That was before I knew what the accident was. Uh, one is the is the doctor protecting Virginia? Is he so protective of her because he is very protective of her that he's getting revenge? Maybe because he knows details about the accident that we don't, and then we find out no. Um, so there are there are a lot of things that could be going on. Obviously, they're the ones we talked about: Alfred being jealous uh, and killing anyone that's mean to Virginia, and, and all of that. Yeah, I mean, that's basically everything I have. Uh, one other thing is the producers Andre Link and John Dunning released two slasher movies this year in 1981. The other one was My Bloody Valentine. So another seasonal, I guess you can call a birthday one a seasonal. Holiday. Would you call a birthday a holiday? Yeah. Okay. I never know, so I use both terms. <laughs> seasonal and a holiday. Yeah, I, I fucking, I love this movie. So, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I know. Oh, right. Because when we had to buy it, I had to buy it while you were outside, so. Yeah, do you remember? It was really low. It was like 26. 27. Now, if it makes you feel any better, that's only out of 11 reviews. There's no Metacritic score. There's no cinema score. Uh, nothing. This is a This is a nothing movie that nobody's seen and nobody's reviewed, so I wouldn't give a lot of credence to that score. What would you give it? I'd give it an 80. I was thinking like a 73. Okay, so tell me why. Because I still really haven't heard what your thoughts are about the this. The twists keep coming, and I like that. But at a certain point, you just start to feel cheated. The solution came out of nowhere with a character that disappeared halfway through the movie and was complete. I didn't even know her name. I looked it up. That's how I knew her name. Like, but it's hard to remember because there's ten of them, right? The, but don't the names you think, are all confusing. Don't you think if this was so fucking important 
that we should at least know who she is. They they red herringed every other character except for Anne. No, no, I know they we... didn't, but I'm saying they did. They did Alfred. They did Rudy. They did well, the yeah, doctor. Well, yeah, they're gonna lean more heavily they into did the, the other dad. Characters. They did like they did a red herring for tons of characters, and there was not even a speck of anything about Anne except. For when she threatened to break some dude's neck, which was obviously hyperbole, and in that same scene, looked at Virginia kind of funny. You know, like Alfred has, and like Rudy has, and like all these other characters have. So it felt like a little bit of a cheat. I do like that it does tie back into everything that you didn't know was important throughout the movie. And I do really like that. I think I would probably appreciate it more watching it again. I think 73 is a perfectly respectable score for me. It's just there are a lot of those kind of like, what kind of moments. Yeah, but it's an 80s slasher. Right. And of course it's going to have those. Yeah. And, but I think. You also don't like anybody. <laughs> Except I for like Alfred. Virginia. He, he dies halfway through the movie. And at a certain point you think Virginia is a killer. And so it's like, I, okay, I stopped kind of liking her now. <laughs> well, but. I think that it's tragic that this movie kind of got lost yes. amongst all the other 80s slashers. Because I think, even though this movie has a little bit of a silly premise, I mean, a doctor doing weird experimentation in the 80s is, is kind of hard to believe. I think they could have dropped that. But, it's, but because of that, they have all this backstory for this character. And it really makes her a real human being. Right. That we can see ha is dealing with a lot of different things on top of the fact that her friends are disappearing. And she doesn't know why. And she starts to feel like, oh, my God, is this me? And I think that's – I think it's very well done well because oftentimes either the character knows it's them – or if it ends up being a like a oh they have a multiple personality it comes out of nowhere and the main character never once suspects themselves and yeah. I love that she does and it ends up not even being her right in a, in a really weird kind of way but I will say I think that like electroshock thing could have just been dropped entirely and they could have replaced it with a bigger emphasis on her missing time not only does she have memory issues but she has blackout issues yeah i think they could have done like one more scene about that about her history of meeting the doctor for the first time because she's lost her memory she's repressing memories and now she's losing time right like, something like that i think it could, could have just be that it could just easily be oh she was in this horrible accident and so her memory's just fucked uh -huh. it could have just been that but the fact that it is experimentation is what makes you question, oh, maybe that's where she gets this double personality because they were fucking around with yeah, her brain. Yeah, it makes it seem like almost paranormal, you know, sci-fi-y, like that's going to be the premise. And, and I'm okay and it, with that. No, but it's the, it's the one that's the most out of left field and goes absolutely nowhere. And it's only one scene. Just take it out, replace it with something else. I think it would be just fine. But this movie has tons of really inventive kills, a really good uh, execution of those kills. Yeah, I like it. But, you know, there's unlikable characters. The final twist comes out of nowhere. A lot of things that are just unexplained. But I did really like it, which is why I think I think 73 makes sense. I was debating between 78 and 80, but I'm giving it that 80 right. because I just I I thoroughly enjoy it when I watch it. That's fair. That's fair. All right. That was 1981's 
happy birthday to me. Before we get to our next movie, Slash Cards. What comedic actor played a grown-up Tommy Doyle in Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers from 1995? What comedic actor played a grown-up Tommy Doyle? Who's the kid that she uh, babysits in the original. Is that Paul Rudd? It is! Nice. Pulled it out. (laughs) All right, Kelsey. What Grease actor had a supporting role in Carrie? Oh. (laughs) Travolta. Yep. John Travolta is the correct answer. That was an easy one. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, we like Carrie. My immediate thought went to the girl in the red baseball cap. Oh, yeah. Because she is also in Halloween. Yes. And I had to think about that. I was like, oh, no, you said Grease. Uh (laughs) Travolta. (laughs) All right, next up is 2017's Happy Death Day, directed by Christopher Landon, written by Scott Lobdell, and starring Jessica Roth, Israel Broussard, and Ruby Modine. What is Happy Death Day about, Kelsey? A college girl is killed on her birthday and has to continue reliving it until she kills her killer. Interesting premise. It's Groundhog Day, but a slasher. Yes. Is as how everyone describes it. Even itself. Yeah. It, it totally, it's just it like, It drops absolutely. a Groundhog Day reference at the end. This is yeah, what we uh-huh. are. We totally understand that. Say, you know what your story reminds me of is Groundhog Day. Like, that's an actual line in the movie. Yeah. You know the movie's Bill Murray. Who's Bill Murray? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should people watch it? If you're in for a fun, silly movie, yes. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. I didn't like it as much the second time around. I liked it better the second time I watched it. Interesting. So we're kind of like converging, I feel. Yes. All right. So you can make that decision for yourself. And when we get back, we'll talk about 2017's Happy Death Day. Oh, hey. You're up. Am I in a dorm room? Yeah. So shall you sneaky little biatch. Maybe you should switch to water next time. Super helpful. Don't be late. to party tonight. Okay, bye. Bye. Tree, happy birthday. You scared me. Yeah. Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me tonight. Is everything okay? Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers. Car alarm. The way I see it, you have unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. Kelsey, what happens in Happy Death Day? So this movie apparently was very 
highly expected to do well. So much so that they fucked with the uh, the logo for Universal. Right. This this is very similar to the Columbia logo in Straight Jacket, where Columbia has been decapitated. In this, the Universal logo and the music starts. Dun, 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 dun. And then it reverses. Yep. And then it does that again. And it, it, it happens a few times before it actually gets the point. Mm-hmm. Just give me the idea that uh, it's going to end and restart and end and restart and end and restart. You're going to get that a lot in this movie. So more fun with production company promos. Yes. So we open on our main character. Do you know her name? Tree. Such a stupid name. It is short for Teresa. Stupid. I've never known any Teresa to go by tree. Neither but saying Teresa out loud, it sounds like tree. Teresa. Most Teresas that... Shorten their name, go by Terry. So, tree is weird. But, like, I've never known anyone who does it, but I can see how you would get there. It doesn't bother me so much. So, tree wakes up to her phone going off. And the ringer that they use is this stupid voice saying, Hey, it's It's my birthday. birthday. And And now you gotta gotta pick pick up up the phone. phone. (laughs) Because, and if you watch the trailer, you know this is true. They originally wanted to have, go shorty, it's It's your birthday. birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday, right? But they couldn't afford it, What else are we going to do like it's my birthday? Huh? What else are we going to do like it's my birthday? There's so many songs they could have chosen, but they just clearly (laughs) didn't have the budget for it, so they made their own. I was looking for you to say... Sip a cardi like it's your birthday. Oh. And you know, we don't give a fuck. It's not your birthday. <laughs> uh, in the club by 50 Cent is what it is. Yes. Uh, and, and, but instead, yeah, they, they couldn't secure the rights for it is what happened. They wanted to use it. They put it in the trailer. How did they use it for the trailer if they didn't have the rights to it? Because I think they were in the process of getting it and then they just couldn't secure it. So they weren't like sued or anything like that because it was just a trailer. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was replaced with their own song, this annoying ringtone. But she wakes up to what's a, what I believe is a text from her dad or a call from her dad. Yes, it's a call um, from her dad. Her dad keeps calling her all day. And she's in a strange person's dorm room. Dorm room named Carter. Yeah. Mr. Carter. <laughs> and so she wakes up, and the whole point of seeing it play by play. In the first time we see it, A, is so that we know all the things to expect to happen, but B, so that we can really get a feel for who she starts out as, because the whole point of this movie is about her learning to be a better person. Yes. So she wakes up, she's totally condescending, she's a bitch to Carter, who's like... She doesn't even know what happened. She simply assumes, I got drunk and had sex with this guy, and now I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yes. And she walks through the quad, where no quad is that active with identifiably singular events. Yes. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's goth dude staring at her, a petition lady trying to get her to sign something to save the environment, um, sprinklers sprinklers going off on a couple. Car alarm. There's a car alarm going off. There's kids who are getting hazed, singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall over and over and over again for 26 hours, and one of them collapses. And then she runs into a guy she went out on a date with once, Tim. There are so many singular identifiable events, so she can prove to herself 
and others that this is the same day over and over again. No quad experiences like that. Listen, quads are active, but they're full of people maybe playing Frisbee, nothing special happening, and, like, sitting on the grass. I mean, I, w- I was actually on a college campus, and I could list a number of weird things that I saw on college campus. All on the same day, but one exactly, right after Never the on the yeah. same day. Uh-huh. You know, like, you might see some one weird thing happen, and that sticks in my memory. Like, the first thing I thought of when you said, like, come on, weird shit doesn't happen. Uh, well. No, I know it does, but like, <laughs> in general, it happens to be this day, and it happens to be all at that same exact yes, moment. Yes, agreed. Like, this this campus must be in the news all the time. <laughs> yeah, so all those things that he just listed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop on the dude who pops up. Tim. Tim. He's upset because she hasn't been answering his text messages, and she says, you know, it's not like we're a thing. Um, who takes their first date to Subway? It's not like you're a foot long. Yeah. So that was a pretty funny Tree. line. Come on, that's mean. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, in college, if somebody isn't answering your text, it's pretty fucking clear they're ghosting you. So get over yeah. it. Uh, we find out later exactly why he wants to talk to her. But right. anyway, we'll get there. Anyway, so then she's walking into her sorority house there's an Asian girl who smiles and waves and she's just a bitch and just walks by. Uh-huh. She goes in and I guess, I, what do they call them? Their presidents? Is it a president for a sorority? I do not know. I would assume so. The president of the sorority who is her best friend of me, I guess. Danielle. She goes, she's like, you sneaky little biatch, you know, who is he? And they they have a very typical friend of me, college girl sorority relationship you know bye that stupid thing that Uh girls still do today and you know don't forget we've got our meeting living for it like you know they have a very funny back and forth oh my god you sneaky little biatch who was it nobody sisters don't keep secrets seriously it was nobody I hope nobody used a condom. We don't want somebody looking like a whore. Thanks, Danielle. <sighs> Super helpful. What are sisters for? Oh, and don't forget, house meeting at lunch. Living for it. I really like that girl. Uh, whoever she is, I hope she gets more comedic roles. I think she's really funny. Danielle. Yes. The character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever that actress Total is. Total bitch, but she pulls she's it off. very funny. Yeah, I hope uh-huh. that she gets to do more funny stuff. Then she walks into her room, and we meet her roommate. Lori. Lori. She's like, you know, oh, here's your your birthday cupcake, you know. Oh, you do think I did, wouldn't find out? Uh, I, I checked your driver's license. That's an awful picture. She's <laughs> like, oh, I bet you changed my phone ringer, too. And then she blows out the candle and then throws away the cupcake. And the girl's like, hey, I made that for you. And she's just like, too many, too many carbs. carbs. Yeah. I'm late for class, and so she goes to class. And you wouldn't think that a girl like this would care about class. She doesn't. She is having an affair with her teacher. Yes. As she is walking to her class, we see that the school mascot is a baby? The school mascot is the Bayfield University. That's where they go. Baby. Why? What college would choose a baby? 
it was something that was designed to be both scary and silly. I understand it was that. But in the context of the world. If this was a real thing. Why would it be a baby? Why would a college campus choose a baby? Yeah, maybe it's a cherub. Maybe they're the base field cherubs or whatever. Anyway, it was designed by Tony Gardner. Tony Gardner is the guy who designed the ghost face mask from Scream. So. Yeah, and I mean it does work. It's it's silly, but it's also creepy, and that works as a mask. But like I said, if this was real, why the fuck would they choose that? Anyway, so we see that, so we know that they've got some big game. I don't know if it's football or what, but that a lot of people are going to be wearing that mask. Yeah. Okay. So she's having an affair with her teacher. Doesn't give a shit that she's ruining a marriage, etc. Yeah, give- he says we can't do this right now. She. Doesn't stop. She locks the door with a chair and makes out with him. And sure enough, his wife shows up and they need to pretend like nothing happened. Hey, sweetie. What's with the door? Oh, stupid thing got jammed. Oh, just wrapping up here. Have you met my student, Teresa? No, I haven't. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Thank you so much for helping me out. And then she leaves from there. Then later, the the president is like, oh, you know, what time are you going to the party? And while she's talking to her, there's a blackout. Yeah, our tuition dollars at work, it comes into play in one very important way later on in the movie. And she asks her, what time are you going to the party? So that's kind of her motivation to leave the house. That's where she's going. That's why she's out late at night. Why she goes by herself, I don't know. To a frat party, yeah. Why would you go by yourself? It doesn't make sense. She gets a phone call, another missed message from her dad. You know, I sat in that restaurant for over an hour and she just ignores it. And you're just supposed to think that she's just a bitch. Yes. You find out later she's got a reason. Right. But the idea is, is that she, just like in Groundhog Day, we can have conversations about Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is a very, very good movie that doesn't stop it from being hashtag problematic. This is very much the same way. It's using this awful thing of the repeating days to improve yourself, become a better person. Yes. Uh, if you had all the time in the world, like, what would you realize about yourself? What would you change if you could relive a day over again? And this, she's given that opportunity over and over again. I think what I came to appreciate a little about this movie the second time I watched it. There's a sticker on Carter's door that she sees every morning. Nobody would have that sticker on their door. No guy at a, in a dorm room would have that sticker on his door. I hated that, but continue. And she hates it, and it says, this is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. And that is, I'd say, the theme of this film. The yes. idea is that you... This is just a silly, fun horror slasher movie, but it has a message for kids saying, if you don't like who you are... You can change. Yeah. As bad as she is, though, it does does kind of victim blame, which is, you know, if you don't live your best life, you're going to get murdered. I know. (laughs) Kind of. But I feel like the ending, when we get there, I'll explain this more, but I feel like the ending kind of shows that if she had been a better person, yes, perhaps this wouldn't have happened to her. But it's not her fault. But it's not her fault. It's ridiculous to expect that this would be the result of her behavior. Exactly. Right. And, and I think the movie is just trying, it's a, just a silly way of telling kids, you if you don't like who you are, change. There's no reason to every day be someone you don't want to be. 
which I think is an important lesson, and it's something that I would like my kids to hear, right? And yeah. I try to tell them that, and they all roll their eyes. Every time I try to give them, like, a, a good moral lesson, they all roll their eyes and they laugh. And I just tell myself that hopefully some of them in their mind, in their yeah. own personal mind, are taking it seriously. Right. You're not going to get 100% of them, sure. But I know that they have to act like, who cares what my teacher says? Right, yeah. So, she's on her way to the frat party. Yes, and on her way, she passes by a group of people that are wearing the baby mask. And as she's walking, one of them stops and stares at her. And then she keeps walking, and she's under a bridge. And in that bridge, there's like a... Um, it's an underpass walkway. It's a, it's a pedestrian overpass, underpass sort of situation. There is a music box type thing that's playing Happy Birthday. And she automatically thinks... That it's like a prank that, you know, one of her sorority sisters is just being silly or whatever. Okay, you guys are hilarious. You can come out now. Losers. She ends up getting killed here. Who cares? Point is, how did the killer know she was going to be in that particular place at that particular time? In order to set that up. This movie has lots of those things. Oh, it does. Uh-huh. It is a Big, big flaw. Yeah. It is constantly making this killer omniscient. Also, in this scene, when she turns, there's a person standing there with a the baby mask, right? Then the person disappears. Guess where that person pops up and kills her? From fucking nowhere, all of a sudden, drops, drops down, down. the bridge. Yeah. What? Wait, I what? mean, I think I could think conceivably... That they went a, a, a onto the actual overpass and then dropped down that way. But it's pointless. Why even do that? It's for the purpose of the movie. It's to be scary. That's and it. the build of this murderer does not match the build of who the killer is. And that pisses me off. That really irks me. Yeah, this movie doesn't have any consideration for those sorts of continuity. It has, it has other sorts of continuity concerns. There's also one continuity concern that completely ruins the movie for me, in my opinion, but we'll get there. I would say this movie is fun. It is, yeah. But it is not a good movie. Right. It's not well put together. There, uh -huh. there was no thought about making this seem realistic, which I guess, you know, oh, who cares? You know, it's a movie about somebody who's caught in a time loop. That's not realistic, yeah, but uh -huh. whatever. I can set aside my expectations for a premise. I can't set it aside for things that are impossible within that premise. Right. It's called suspension of disbelief. And yes. you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. You accept the unbelievable premise with the understanding that based on the rules set up by that premise, the world would work the way you would expect it to work. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't, that's the problem. Believe the unbelievable premise don't believe the the things that break the rules within that premise. And you'll never be able to make me believe that the people who wrote this didn't consider these things. They simply don't care. And yeah. that that shows a lack of consideration that automatically puts me out of the movie. This is the first death. I kept track of this movie by the death count. <laughs> this is death number one, a stabbing. She is killed with a knife in the underpass walkway encounter with the music box. She wakes up again. It's my birthday. And now you gotta pick up the phone. 
We're not going to go over all the different variations, but the things that you expect to happen are what happens. Uh, she reveals that she knows things. She doesn't quite understand that she's in a time loop yet. And she thinks she had a bad dream. The first big thing uh-huh. is immediately she's already nicer. Immediately. When he says, you probably don't remember my name, she's like, yeah, yeah, I do. It's Carter. And she says, thank you. And uh-huh. like little things like that. Just immediately she's a little bit nicer. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we already, I mean, we know by the ending that she is genuinely a good person. She just was acting in a certain way because she just had this idea of I don't care going on in her life. Right. She she confides in her president because, remember, her president is supposed to be her best friend. Uh-huh. And she goes, I'm having major deja vu today. And she goes, and again, I think this actress is hilarious. She's just like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to mean that somebody is masturbating to you. I have it like five times a day. (laughs) I'm totally having deja vu right now. Oh, I have it all the time. It's supposed to mean like someone's thinking about you while they're masturbating. I have it at least five times a day. It's so good. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So she ends up actually making it to the party this time. Um, she's still not quite sure what's happening. Oh. She thinks she had a dream about her day. There is something that we missed the first time, and I'm going to bring it up now. Okay. At that meeting that she's supposed to have at lunch. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk we about We didn't talk that. about this at all. Carter runs into her. There's the girl with the food. There's a girl who has food, and she is shamed for eating. So, basically, we eating know these girls specifically are- specifically what she's eating. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, we all miss breakfast, uh-huh. you know? Like, what are you what doing? What even is breakfast? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing eating at lunchtime in front of other people? Becky. <laughs> but also, you know, chocolate milk, like, is what... I skipped breakfast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then Carter runs into the girl and makes her spill all the food all over her. So this time, Tree says, warning, you know, look out. Yeah. Um, Becky, look out. And then it, hap- it kind of happens anyway, but she she warned her. And she drags Carter away before he could embarrass her and has her hand out. Give me my bracelet or necklace or whatever it is. I can't remember what. Because that's what he gives to her. She left on his nightstand or whatever. It is on this second day that we find out that it's also her mother's birthday as well. And so that is why she hates her birthday so much. Yeah. Because her mom is dead. And that is why she avoids her father like the plague. Yeah. But anyway, she manages to take a different route to the party. Well, not at first. And this pisses me off, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you believe you're reliving it, I get it. It's only the second. It's only the second time it's happened. And it's very weird, but also you're just like, I I, I assume I must have dreamed yeah. this. Don't just don't go that route. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She starts to go that way. She starts. It's not until she sees the same music box in the in the hallway oh, or whatever. She's like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> that she turns around. Yeah. Why would she even go that way in it's the first an, place? It's an element for the movie. She probably wasn't even thinking about it. Or she was probably like, that was really weird. This is kind of creepy now. And then she sees the music box. Or why like, would she be by herself? Right. Why not be like, hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with this. Lori, come with me or whatever. Um, but anyway. Either way, she turns around after she sees the thing and goes to the party, which ends up being a surprise birthday party She for gets to the door, she knocks on the door, the door opens up, and there is the baby face killer whom she punches in the face. And then the lights come on and everyone's there and they're like, surprise! <laughs> one, one person in the background goes, 
surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And then again, the sorority president grabs her by the hand and goes, don't mess with the Kappa bitch. (laughs) She's so good. She's so funny. I love that. I love that girl. So the guy in the mask is Nick and he's the, the cute guy from the frat who Danielle is interested in, but he is interested in tree. Yes, and so Tree doesn't give a shit about her friend uh-huh. and goes to hook up with him. But he ends up being a total dork. He's like, <laughs> welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the Pleasure Dome. So he hits a button and... <laughs> Lights come on and loud music and it's and then he starts like dancing, trying to like make her laugh. Like at least he doesn't take himself seriously. Like it's not like he's like, look at my sexy dance and he believes it. He's like, isn't this fun? Like, you know, it's just a fun kind of thing. And but she, Tree's just like, okay. She's like, oh my God. And she turns away from him and starts texting with Danielle because Danielle's like, where did you go? Oh my God, did you go with Nick, you fucking bitch? Don't forget about freshman year whore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I would never do that to you, wouldn't you? Don't forget about freshman year whore. <laughs> like, yeah, it's that kind of like playful, frenemy, angry, but. I hope you both die. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they do. Yes, because while she has her back turned, the baby killer comes out. And the music is so loud she can't hear it happening yeah and just stabs the fuck out of nick and when she turns around she's like okay i'm really tired with this whole mask thing and she sees the knife and she looks down and she sees nick and she's like oh fuck and they get into a tussle and this dude is on top of her and another guy a frat guy walks in and she begs him for help and he goes woo, and like backs away Like, get it, or whatever, and then leaves. And I know this happens in real life, but it just set off every rage function in my body. They literally went from it being really funny... Yes. ...to just... Did that really just happen? It was was a little real. Did this movie just make a joke about frat brothers letting each other rape women? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And it, ow, just gross. Unnecessary, too. But I mean, at at least, at least it's like real and the audience is supposed to be disgusted by it. I don't know that we are. I think we're supposed to be laughing. Maybe. And And that's gross. You're right. But the idea is, is that like, oh, he could have helped her. It's basically equating... You know, like, we know she's getting murdered, right? We know that that's what's happening in this scene. And so we are pissed that this guy does nothing to help her. I think what it's supposed to be doing is it's supposed to be drawing a parallel between these two things. Why aren't you just as angry if it was rape instead of murder? Like, why is that okay? So, I mean, I'll I'll give it that, but it because just Because I watch angry. slasher movies. Yes. I don't watch rape movies. Right. I don't watch a movie about a guy who goes around and rapes a bunch of women. Yeah. I, I don't... <laughs> it doesn't happen. I watch slasher movies because I know they're not fucking real. And it's a horror genre. Like, I don't know one... if anyone wants to sit there and watch a rape genre movie. And right. if you do, you're a fucking weirdo. So... And a crazy person. I think a better way to accomplish this would have been if she 
maybe doesn't know that he comes in and she's not begging for her life or for his help. Like if we don't see that and instead to this drunk guy coming in, it looks like they're just tussling around in a bed. Like maybe the sheets over the top of them or something like that. And there's just movement in the bed and he goes, woo, and then leaves or he goes, Oh shit. And then like closes the door. I'll give you guys privacy or whatever. And closes the door. And she's not screaming for her life, looking him dead in the eye saying, help me please. And he does nothing like not that there's a way better way to do this, I think. And it really pissed me off. Yeah. So anyway, it, uh, they follow filmmaker, that filmmaker. The fuck are you thinking? Yeah. They follow that up with a murder joke where he's holding a bong and he's like hitting her with it and then he breaks it and then he stabs her with the broken end. Yes. Continuity error, he's grabbing the base of the bong to break the neck and then when he brings his hand back up, he's holding the neck above the break and stabs down. So, a little continuity error, not a big deal, but like so she wakes up again. We hear the stupid ringer again. But this time she's angry. So this time she just kind of storms off as she's walking out. She hits the girl's clipboard out of her ha- hand yeah. that wants to save the world. And it's great because the girl's just like, a simple no would have worked. Right. And then she says... You know, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I think she says this to her do- to the guy she's having an affair with this time. Yeah. Um, I think I'm losing my mind. Next thing we see, it's later at night, and she has completely blocked up her entire room because the, th- the thought is... If I can just get through this night. Then I'll survive. Yeah. And there's no way the person can get in. And you're absolutely right, Tree. There is no way that the killer could get in, and yet somehow... The killer is already in the room with you. And when we talk about who the killer actually is, there's extra reason why yes. this couldn't have happened. But we won't spoil it here for you now. But it's but just... It, the killer's in a room. No matter who it is. There. Yes. It's impossible. Right. She completely boards up the room and then the, the killer's just in there. It's like, it's one of those things where it's a hand wavy sort of thing where it's like, eh, who cares? People aren't going to care in the moment. But it's, if you're paying attention, you do. And I remember that and seeing it in the theaters, it, it bothered me. Yes. Again, again, it is the filmmaker saying, eh, we don't need to put that much time and effort into it. Yes. So my response is, okay, so I don't have to put any time or effort into caring about your story. Right. Totally. So it's this time that she proves to Carter, like, what's going on, or she convinces Carter what's going on. And... He says, well, then you need to figure out who it could be. You need to take this as an opportunity. And they start making a list. And there's this joke about all the people that could potentially want her dead. I think it's at that scene as well that she finally finds out that she didn't even have sex with him. Yes. And oh, my God, this is another misstep. The movie treats this where I wrote it. Where is it? Here it is. It's sad that she's so impressed that Carter didn't rape her, that we should be impressed, that when it's revealed that he wasn't drunk and that she was drunk and that he took her to his dorm and then didn't do anything with her, we're supposed to be impressed and that he's a good guy. I'm sorry, that should be the fucking default. That's the society we live in. It's so fucked. And I, whoever this filmmaker is... Either it was the writer or the director, but both basically because they both agreed to it. Yeah. 
They think it's funny for a guy to walk out on a girl being raped. I, see, I feel and like... And they think that the testament to being a true gentleman is, is not taking advantage yeah. of a drunk uh-huh. girl. Yeah. It's it's like they're making a 70s or early 80s movie in 2017 yep. with 2017 technology. And they just haven't realized that a lot's happened since then. Can you look up the writer and the director right now? Yeah, the writer is uh, Scott Lobdell and the director is Christopher Landon. Christopher Landon in the past has made uh, A Paranormal Activity, one of the subtitled ones. He did the marked ones. Oh, good. I can like dislike you more. Yeah. Because Scout's Paranormal Guide. Activity is stupid. <laughs> Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which I've heard things about but never saw. It's like a kid's zombie movie or whatever. And Disturbia. He actually Fuck. he actually wrote all of those. Fuck. When it comes to directing, though, he directed the Paranormal Activity one in Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. He did not direct uh, Disturbia. I really like Disturbia. I... I I've never seen Disturbia, so you might want to put that on the list with Rear Window. Yeah, I already it is. I fucking love Rear Window. So do I. I really so want to I can't imagine Disturbia it. being any good, but it's actually quite okay, good. Okay, <laughs> the ending is dumb, but the rest of the movie is actually quite good. But you should know that he is in the middle of making a sequel to this movie. That's what he's working on right now. Oh Jesus! Why? <laughs> the ending doesn't require a sequel, and in fact, if you made a sequel. You're just make you're just cashing in. Yeah. Okay, writer. Writer. Okay. Because I'm I'm putting more blame on the writer, but I'm putting enough blame on the director for being like, yeah, okay, sounds good to me. He got a lot of writing credits for characters and concepts for the X Men. I think because he might have been a comic book writer. Uh, he also wrote. Why an doesn't episode, that surprise me? He, <laughs> he also wrote an episode of Godzilla the series. Yeah, he gets a lot of X-Men credits because he created characters like Blink and Marrow, Phalanx, a couple of other like 90s characters that you've never even fucking heard of. Uh, You might see in video games or if you're a big X-Men fan, Uh, but like nothing else you've ever heard of. Yeah, Um, well. Man of the House. He did the story for Man of the House starring Tommy Lee Jones. Like nothing. Yeah, well. That guy sounds like a douchebag. Not that he's not allowed to be a good writer just because he doesn't have a huge um, history of writing movies. It's just that there's no other proof that he's a good writer other than he did a lot of 90s work on the X-Men, which is not the best (laughs) X-Men. 90s comic books, people. 90s comic books sucked. I I know that's the uh, age. The TV show is awesome. I know that's the age of Image Comics, but think back. Image is great now. Yes, yes, that that is very good. Um, But, like, 90s comic books were really bad. That was the age of, like, Rob Liefeld, two big muscles, tiny feet, bunch of pouches, like that thing. All the women had giant boobs and round asses, and you could see both perfectly all at the same time. Like, it was that era of comic books where Witchblade, when she turned on her powers, all of her clothes would get ripped off. Like, that's what we're talking about. That was 90s comic books. So, yeah, this dude obviously comes from that era, and so he's maybe a little bit more insensitive to this kind of stuff. So, after Carter suggests that she try to figure out who her killer is, we get a montage. Which I thought was kind of fun the first time around. I didn't like it then. 
I didn't like it now. So <laughs> there are a series of murders that happen one right after the other as she's trying to whittle down the list. Because remember, she keeps her memories every day. So even though she's going to have to re-explain this to Carter, she'll have narrowed down that list. So death number five now we're up to. Uh, she has died four times and then Nick died in the Pleasure Dome. Death number five. She's outside Tim's window. She catches him masturbating to gay porn. So the idea is that's why he's so obsessed with getting her to respond because he doesn't want to come out as gay. And this is handled really poorly. It's handled as a joke here, kind of. Not a huge joke, but a kind of joke. And then later on, it's completely dismissed in a way that I was I thought was kind of distasteful. But in here, she's just like, oh, we see her through the window and we can't hear her. But she's like, oh, he's gay. And it's not like oh, he's gay and that's funny. It's, it's the joke is that, oh, that's why I thought he was stalking me mm -hmm. and he's not, I'm so relieved. That's the joke. Mm -hmm. But it still kind of comes at the expense of him being gay. Anyway, not a big deal. She is stabbed outside Tim's window at this point. She so is, then she dyes her hair because, oh, fuck it, I'll, I'm just going to die anyway. Well, but isn't the whole point of this to try and figure out who your killer is and to survive? No. The, okay, so she darkens everything to hide. She camos up and she, like, puts on face paint and all this stuff. And she's watching Stephanie, one of the sisters, with night vision goggles. And she's attacked and drowned in a fountain. She gets in a fight with Danielle because she's sure that Danielle... Is, For no real reason. Yeah, she just confronts her on it. And then they both get they hit get by a bus. They get into a fight. So it, it's not clear that Danielle dies, but I imagine she does. So I'm just calling this one death. That's number seven. Problem. As far as the audience has been told, the reason she keeps reliving the day is because she gets killed by this certain person. No, 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 no. No, it's not. It's that she dies. It's just that she dies. We disagree. As an audience member... My opinion was she keeps getting killed by this person. Right. She needs to figure out who this person is and defeat this person. Otherwise, she'll keep reliving the day. I see where you're going with that. But then that would imply that the killer is magic, not that she's magic. Whatever. She's getting these opportunities because she's dying. It's not that she needs to figure out who the killer is. It's that she needs to survive. And in order to survive, she needs to find out who the killer is. Whatever. Then anyway, she gets hit by a bus and comes back. This and that is pisses when, me off. This is when she walks through the quad naked. Again, again, the whole point is to figure out who your killer is and to survive. And yet, over here, we have her saying, I'm just going to die anyway, so I'm going to walk around naked because right. it's this fun is, and I'm in a movie. Yes, this is the overlap with Groundhog Day where we get those moments where it's like, well, you know what? Since I just get to relive this day over and over again, I'm just going to have some fun and do whatever. The, but it's punctuated by the fact that at the end of every day, you are killed. The difference is he doesn't understand why he keeps reliving the yeah, day uh -huh. until the end. And he realizes I needed to become a better person. As far as she is aware, her sole purpose is to find the killer and survive. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I will say that I actually wrote this down. Kelsey's right. This is something she said about the character after we watched it the first time. Tree's confidence, especially in scenes like this where she just walks around naked, it's a little unbelievable acting wise. Mm -hmm. It's also in this montage where we're going to come up to a 
to, well, yeah, we're going to come up to a day where she has like the perfect day. And, and we'll talk about that when we get to that, but it's, a, it, it's, she's right. It's a little unbelievable, but this day she accidentally hits Becky over the head with a bat and kills Becky. And then she gets hit in the head with a bat. She passes out when she wakes up this time, she wakes up. And then because she was killed by getting hit in the head with a bat and she still has that kind of that trauma is like carrying. We learn you skipped, it's carrying over. You skipped the one where she gets in the car accident with the cop car. No. Oh, it's not there yet. Oh, so she wakes up and she passes out because this trauma is, is carrying over and she just got hit in the head and she wakes up in the hospital. And Gregory, her teacher, is there. This is the hospital where he works. He ends up getting stabbed. She escapes in Gregory's car after running away from the killer in the parking garage. Which, why didn't you run him over? You're in a car. He's down the ground. Why don't you run him over? What the fuck? So she drives away. And then she ends up getting pulled over. And at first she's like, fucking, of course. And then she realizes this is a perfect opportunity. She's like, you know what? Yes, I am high. I am drunk. Take me to prison. Ma'am, are you under the influence of alcohol or any other controlled substance? No, that is what I'm trying to... Wait, if I am, does that mean that you're going to arrest me and lock me in a jail cell? That's how it usually works. I'm drunk. You are. Wasted. And I'm high. You know, pills, weed, you name it, man, I'm on it. The cop's like, okay, fine, I gotta arrest you. You don't have a license. You don't have registration. You're claiming to be drunk. There's obviously something going on. He handcuffs her, puts her in the back of the car, and then gets hit by a car and dies. So the cop dies as well. The officers run over. This is 11 deaths at this point. Here's the problem with that. The car came from the opposite direction. (laughs) So did the killer get in the car, drive around on purpose, and come back the other way? Like, what happens is she's in the backseat of the car in the driver's side window looking out at the cop, and it comes from this side, the front of the car. You're positive. Positive. Because then the killer gets... Because she can't get out of the back of the car and the killer's like banging on the window. The killer gets into the car that's behind this car now and drops uh, a birthday candle into the gasoline and blows up the car. So it comes from the front, ends up in the back. It's totally coming from the wrong way. It's totally unimportant as well. So that's the exploding cop car. That's death number two or death number 12. Yeah, I also love that when he goes to light the fire... She has this look on her face like, oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's in the it's in the next life. It's in the next repeat of the day that she finds out that this guy named Tombs is alive and in the hospital. When she was in the hospital earlier, she saw a guard, a police officer guarding a room and she didn't know what that was about. And now she realizes what it is. There's a killer in the hospital. And again, I would like to point out that this time around, maybe she's kind of given up a little bit. She like burps and farts in front of uh in front of Carter. Yeah. And her her response when he's like, Did you get it all out? Like that yeah. was kind of gross. Her response is just like, You're not gonna fucking remember it anyway. Yeah. Right? So I think at this point she's kind of given up. Yes. But then she sees that story in the diner when she's having this breakfast with Carter of tombs. And so she goes to the hospital and finds the officer who is guarding him is stabbed and on the ground in the room. Uh, When she's attacked by Tombs, 
Carter stops, like comes in out of nowhere and tackles him and saves her life. And then his neck is snapped by Tombs. And she realizes as she's trying to get away from Tombs. Because she has an option. She can kill him at this point. Yes. She doesn't take it because she realizes Carter is dead. And in order to keep Carter alive, she has to die and restart the day. We also missed an important conversation. She is talking to Carter before all this happens. And she's just like, I'm not a good person, you know? And yeah. she she has that realization. And he's like, well, it's never too late to change. And she's just like, eventually I'm going to run out of chances. Yes. She says, maybe maybe I'm like a cat with nine lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have been a great opportunity to tell you that she dies eight times and is on her last life. She doesn't. She dies ten times. Uh, I counted. <laughs> um, so she climbs up to the bell tower in this uh, hospital and hangs herself from the bell tower. Which, how did she know how to tie a noose? Right. She wakes up invigorated and feeling great. And she realizes she loves Carter because he sacrificed his own life to save her. And so she's really happy and he doesn't know what's going on. Because, again, this is the first time he's experiencing this. And this is when she has her confident day this mm-hmm. is the this is the perfect day and she does everything great she apologizes to Lori for being such a bitch she shuts it down with the with the professor and drops his class you missed like, all the other little things she puts a, a pillow under yes. the guy who falls she takes carter's pillow from she his signs room. the 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 girls thing she to warns save the, the couple that the sprinklers are coming on like so yeah she takes the glasses from the goth guy i think at this point she runs into tim and gives him a two-sentence pep talk about how it's okay to be gay look tim let's get real i know you don't like girls Stop trying to be someone you're not. Love is love, right? Now you go out there and get yourself a fine piece of man ass. And then we never see Tim again. Really fucking bothers me. It's just a Tim is a throwaway fucking character to be there as a gay fucking object and not do anything of significance. And that really bothers me. And she gives him this stupid fucking pep talk that actually works and then tim is never seen again it's kind of ew is what i wrote down here anyway she goes to the lunch with her father and reveals exactly why she's been acting the way she has and that she's been having a hard time they both kind of break down they hold hands they tell each other that they love her she goes to the hospital and uh kills tombs and the way that she does that, by the way, is by threatening a cop's life. Yes. So what now with the police? She comes on the... Yes, exactly. <laughs> she comes on uh, onto the scene, pulls a gun on the cop and says, Toombs is going to escape, get help. And then because she's holding a gun on him, he runs away to go get help. She goes to attack him and it just clicks because the safety's on and he tells her that much. And then they get into a kerfuffle and... An alarm on her watch goes off when she's down on the ground and he's about to attack her and the lights go out because she's perfectly timeless at this point with the power outage and she runs away. She gets behind him with the gun. We hear the click of the safety being turned off and then she shoots him. She kills Tombs. This is the 16th death in this movie. She goes back to the room and 
shares no she goes back to carter they have a 16 candles moment with instead of a cake it's the cupcake that laurie made for her and they eat that she She goes to bed and everything's fine and then she wakes up and it's that day again hey it's it's your your birthday birthday. and now you gotta pick up the phone yes this is after she told carter her wish is that she wished for tomorrow Lesson learned, don't tell people your wish when you're blowing out your birthday cake candles. And that's why she didn't get her wish, because she said it out loud. She told somebody her wish. Anyway, she wakes up again, and she is freaking out, and she doesn't know why. And it's not until she's having a conversation with Lori that she realized, oh, my God, you poisoned the cupcake. Oh, my God. I died in my sleep. What? You killed me. What? You poisoned it. But I never ate it before. And you were going to use tombs as your get out piece when I didn't eat it. It's not that I keep waking up in this day, whether I die or not. No, I actually died. I died in my sleep because you poisoned the fucking cupcake and she calls Lori out on it there's a back and forth and then Lori ends up just admitting it and we find out it's because she's sleeping with the same teacher and the teacher keeps choosing tree over Lori whenever he has a choice and she's like oh my god you've been killing me over some stupid guy you've been killing me over some stupid guy and Lori says something to the effect of it's not just that you're also a total fucking bitch no a dumb bitch yeah uh huh but it's a great line you're, you've been killing me over some guy and she says it that way she thro- not you're killing me you've been killing me yeah <laughs> over some guy and she throat punches her and then smashes the cupcake into her face and Lori freaks out because she knows it's poisoned mm-hmm. and then Tree grabs a chandelier or a ceiling fan that's in their bedroom It's a ceiling fixture of some sort and swings on it and kicks her out the door where she lands in a splatter of blood right in front of that Asian girl out front who freaks out and runs away. (laughs) Who at this point, at least she's been nice to her at one point. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. At least that. And anyway, this is the last death in the movie. I talk about how the cops know everything that happened. It's like, how would they know? How would they know? Right. I love that they just accept that uh, her story. Now, uh-huh. admittedly, it is her birthday. So the idea that, well, I wouldn't have made myself a poisoned cupcake. Yeah. And they you can know. test the cupcake. And, right. Yeah. But still, the fact that they just believe her just immediately. Right. Is a little that unbelievable. She's not arrested. She just ends up in the hospital. However, yes. the president, again, is hilarious. And oh, she is yes. Being, she's being interviewed. <laughs> So Tree and Carter are in a diner discussing how things went and they're all hunky-dory and good. And Carter's like, fuck it, this pretty girl likes me and she seems like a cool chick. <laughs> Fine, I'm going along with it. And then we get we get to see the interview with Danielle on the TV. I always knew she was weird. She never wore makeup, never posted any cute selfies, and she literally owned a pair of Crocs. It was <laughs> so good. I love that actress. <laughs> Because I refuse to give credit to the fucking writer here, because fuck the writer. Then as the camera pulls out, Carter says that thing about, you know what your story reminds me of is Groundhog's Day. What's Groundhog's Day? You know what Groundhog's Day is? Start with Bill Murray. Who's Bill Murray? Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, like that, they, they get have that exchange. And then 
that's the end of the movie. Yep. Now, there's a big problem, and I hope if you didn't watch, if you watched the movie, you noticed it. If you didn't watch the movie, you noticed it from our description. She has a perfect day. And she solves everything. All of her relationships. Her relationship with her father. Uh, she she cures all of Tim's problems that he has because he's gay. And her relationship with Carter is great. All this stuff happens. And then she dies. She has this perfect day. And then she dies. And it all gets reset. But the movie, the filmmakers expect you to still be riding that high from when she had that perfect day. And not realize... None of that fucking happened. She still has a strained relationship with her father. She fixes it with her dad. She has a brief conversation. Right. They're going to get together. It's dumb. She doesn't it's have fixed. a great pep talk with Tim. <laughs> she doesn't, you know, like none of this, all this really great stuff about what an awesome day she had. None of that ended up happening. But they still expect you because you're used to things like that happening in a movie and you're not used to things resetting every time somebody dies. They're not they're expecting you to not remember that none of that ends up happening in the end. I remember being a tiny bit upset the first time seeing it. And I'm I'm still kind of upset. They they don't explain why Carter and her are immediately dating. I had to infer all that other stuff. In this version of the day, she just runs out of the room and she never sees him again until after she kills Lori. So what happened there? You know, it, it's a lot of instead of what now, it's a lot of what happened in this day that made it seem like it's the end of her perfect day when really that perfect day was erased. Mm-hmm. There's also an alternate ending of the movie where she apparently did not do well with test audiences. And yes. I can see why. So she wakes up in the hospital the end of the day and a nurse injects poisonous something or other into her blood and reveals her to be Gregory's wife who's upset that she slept with her husband and is now killing her and that's how the day ends so, so she still ends up dying that day and both deaths are because she had the affair so again, yeah. whoever this writer is, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh -huh. You think it's funny when a guy walks in on a rape and walks out. Yeah. You think that girls who have affairs should be killed. Yeah. Uh -huh. Writer, you are a well, piece of yeah, shit. Uh -huh. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah, it's it doesn't hold up to modern scrutiny, I don't think. Like, there's, there's movies you can watch from the 70s and you can be like, well, that's uncomfortable, but it was a different time in the 70s at least. You can't really say that. I, I feel like it's just a little bit – it's not as quote-unquote hashtag woke as it should be in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, basically, uh, these missteps are what mar this movie and what otherwise is is a fun movie with a fun premise – Another problem, though, is unlike Groundhog Day, because this one is about murder and that's why the day restarts, the Groundhog Day premise means there's zero tension. Like, if you know that's the premise, there's zero tension, but you don't know what's going to happen each day, and so you don't know which day is going to be the day where she survives. If you've seen it before and you're watching it a second time, it ruins the tension even more. You know she's going to die during every encounter. It never matters. It's the exact same as the first time you're watching it. You don't really get anything knowing that Lori's the killer. It's kind of fun knowing what's going to happen a little bit. 
you know, where you're like, oh, this is the scene where this happens. And you can kind of really revel in her being a bitch because you know she's going to change. You can revel in all the fun things that happen each day because you know it doesn't matter. But it also means there's like no consequences to anything. And that, that kind of ruins it. Anyway, there's a lot of problems. Do yes. you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No. Oh, well, just that the build. Yes. Uh-huh. The build of the murderer is a male build. Also, we've seen Lori. She's this skinny little thing. It's It couldn't possibly be her. Yeah. And that pisses me off. Yeah, she's really tiny. I mean, she's kind of tall, but she's very thin. Yes. All right. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I saw this as well, and I'm sorry. I think it was a 70. It was a 70. Yeah. Happy Death Day puts a darkly humorous sci-fi spin on slasher conventions with added edge courtesy of a star-making performance from Jessica Roth. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not star-making. It's really She is going to be in the new Valley, girl. Hooray. Mm. It has a Metacritic of 57 and a cinema score of a B. People felt good coming out of that movie. What would you give it? i give it a 63. I was a little bit more generous with it. I was going to give it a 67. Just because there is a lot to really like about this movie. That rape joke, 10%. Yeah. 10% is gone right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just fuck you. Yeah. Agreed. It just does too, it just too many missteps. It trips up too many times to be what what could have been a fucking classic of modern horror. It could have been. Like... I mean, it's not going to be like a get out or anything like that, but you might think of it in the same way. It it, it could have been a fun horror classic. Like, right, yeah. Like Happy Birthday to Me would be for me, right? right. Just one of those fun movies. But it it's not fun when you think about the shit that it does. And it's an incompetent movie. It makes, it, it does things makes that are impossible. Mistakes. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential here. And it really squanders it. And I think that's down to the writing and the direction. Uh, it's not the acting. The acting's okay, even though the main character wasn't really believable anytime she was supposed to be confident. Yeah. She was believable as a bitch. I thought she did a real I thought they did a really good job of just making her an unrepentant bitch in the beginning, but not like comically over the top about it. Yeah. That's Danielle's job, and she's great at it. Yes. Not Tree's job. So she they just make her kind of a bitch and it's believable. Yes. They do a good job of that. But not a very good job of her being, like, confident. Well, because the whole montage part, I know it's supposed to be comical. Yeah. But it's so... She's not com- a comedic actress. She is absolutely not a comedic actress. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Valley Girl. <laughs> I guess she... We'll see if she can sing, won't right, we? Right, <laughs> but the main character is not expected <laughs> to be funny She is in good at being in love with Carter. I think she's Yeah, I think they're she's really good. cute together. They are. Carter's so, cute. That's that puts my hopes up for Valley Girl because okay. she's clearly good at being in a relationship. For those of you that don't know, Valley Girl is like one of Kelsey's absolute favorite movies. So you've heard The Labyrinth and you've heard Valley Girl. Yep. You may and notice there's a trend. Oh, Fight Club falls outside the trend. I'm going to say 80s movies. She grew up with her mom and her watching a lot of movies together that were probably inappropriate for her age. But uh, yeah, so that's Happy Death Day. Kind of a disappointment, but still scores in the 60s for all the things it does right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of potential here. I kind of wish it was 20 years from now and they were remaking it. Yep. That's our thoughts on that. All right, Kelsey, that is this week's episode 
of Pod Cemetery, 1981's Happy Birthday to Me, and 2017's Happy Death Day. What are we watching next week for your birthday? For my birthday week, we are watching two movies that I have never heard of. What? Mm-hmm. Why didn't we watch Happy Birthday to Me for your birthday week? Because I didn't think about that. <laughs> I was just looking up birthday horror movies, and I listed the first two that came to mind, uh-huh. and then I was like, I don't know about any other horror movies that take place on a birthday, and so I had right. to look it up. Okay, so what are these? Uh, so next week, we're watching a movie called Bloody Birthday, okay. which I think is another 80s slasher, and then a movie that came out recently called Happy Birthday. Have I heard of Happy Birthday? I don't know. I spend every day with you. How do you not know? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> All right. These are, it's a complete mystery next week, but we're going to continue the birthday festivities. Yes. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. There you can browse all of our content, every episode, a list actually of every movie we've ever done. So if you just want to browse through the movies alphabetically and find a movie you like and listen to that episode, you absolutely can. Please also leave a comment while you're there. Share your thoughts on the movies. Recommend one or two for us to cover in a future episode. You can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com to do that. Or follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. Sometimes I'll be adding comments that I think of after the recording and while I'm editing. Uh, Kelsey will sometimes live tweet a random horror movie. Although she's back at work, so that probably won't happen as frequently now. We also post links to other things related to movies that we've watched on this show. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Um, More importantly than any of that, share with your friends, guys. If you know anybody that likes horror movies or you think would get a kick out of the show, please do share it. But even more importantly, the absolute most important thing is thank you so much for listening. We absolutely appreciate it. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. This has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, do you have any parting wisdom to share with the audience? Anywho, Lori's little plot was super lame. Poisoning a cupcake? Really? We're Kappas. We don't eat cupcakes. But before we get there, Kelsey, they had the gel, the geldings, the gelflings, Gelfling, yeah, starring Melissa Jew, Jew, and then Virginia comes walking in. It's completely dark. No, oh yes, sorry. And Virginia is it about the production company promo? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what this note means. And it bothers me because the ringtone goes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. So now you have to pick up the phone. Exactly. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. But it's your ringtone and it's your birthday. 
you have to pick up the phone because it's my birthday. It doesn't make any sense. And it's stupid that we're spending this much time on it. But, but it But bothers. they do it over and over it's and over, over again. Over and over and over again. And so you're thinking about it all the time. every time it happens, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, that makes no fucking sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's, it's just because you hear it so many times. You can't help but think of it. Yeah. Um, like, maybe an I don't gotta pick up the phone would be better. I'm trying to think. Anyway. Or simply saying. It's your birthday and now you got to pick up the phone. It's your birthday yeah. and now you got to pick up the phone. Or, hey, it's my birthday and now I got to pick up the phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just just why? Just some sort of consistency. Why? It's two lines, people. It's two lines. Some internal consistency. Anyway, not a big deal. She is stabbed outside Tim's window at this point. 